Sister Abad, come, come. You they resemble my sister proper. Oh, me at this say you be my sister. Oh, what your name? I'm Juliana. Juliana. Oh, only your voice. Hi, I'm Eric Angevine. Welcome to Radio Superfly. As air travel, radio and TV, and eventually the internet make the world seem smaller, you might hear open-minded music fans say something like, I like African music. I'm sure at one point I said something quite similar myself. But there are as many musical styles as there are people and languages on that vast continent, so that's a statement that invites further digging and study. For my own part, I was fortunate to have a student job as a weekend radio host for an NPR affiliate in the early 1990s. I was exposed to the wonderful program Afropop Worldwide, where host Georges Collinet gave historical and cultural context to exciting sounds my Midwestern ears might have never heard otherwise. Highlife music was one of the musical forms that caught my fancy during that time, in part because the magnetic Nigerian musician Fela Kuti became an international superstar and gave the music an entry point for the uninitiated, in much the way Bob Marley did with reggae. But I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll discuss Nigerian high life in the second episode of this two-part series. Most scholars agree that the musical form began in Ghana, Nigeria's neighbor on Africa's western Gold Coast. So we'll start our exploration there. John Collins, a British musician who received his formal and musical education in Ghana, has written about the rise of Ghanaian highlife music, and I find his breakdown useful, so I'll present it to you lightly edited, but essentially verbatim. Quote, Highlife started in Ghana, and it's a fusion music, like samba for Brazilians, jazz for Americans, and calypso for Trinidadians. There are three roots to highlife music. The first is brass band music. For Africans in regimental bands in the 1820s, they had been brainwashed by colonials to play white music. West Indian soldiers had regimental bands who played Caribbean music and couldn't afford brass instruments, so they did a poor man's copy using local drums and voices. Then there were Liberian sailors. They picked up on portable instruments like banjo and accordion. There was a crossover with guitars and local instruments with native blues. The third type came out of the dance bands set up by the elites. The first orchestra was set up in 1914, at first playing American music, then orchestrating local songs. Poor people allegedly hung around these clubs and heard their songs being played inside for the rich. So they called it highlife music, unquote.
Already you can see and hear that highlife music is a 20th century form, informed by the complex cross-pollination of native, colonial, and diaspora peoples. Let's further complicate that picture. One of Ghanaian highlife's early stars was a trumpeter and band leader named E.T. Mensah. During a 1956 world tour, legendary American trumpeter Louis Armstrong played a free concert in Accra, Ghana with Mensah's band. Ghana's daily graphic newspaper described the encounter. Quote, E.T. seems to have been inspired by the presence of the great Louis. His fingers moved over the valves of his silver trumpet to produce the best manipulation of this instrument by any West African trumpeter. Lewis must have been surprised. He went up to E.T. and shook hands with him, end quote. E.T. was no shrinking violet. While he acknowledged Satchmo's technical mastery, he was blunt in his assessment of American jazz. Quote, the music was thin for us Africans. We wanted more rhythm, end quote. Life's international explosion began in Nigeria, but E.T. Mensah's early influence on the development and spread of the form was so profound that his story takes up several paragraphs of the dense liner notes of a fun album I own titled Nigeria 70, the definitive story of 1970s funky Lagos, which we'll hear more of in the next episode. For now, we stay in Ghana. Ghana achieved independence from British colonial rule in 1957. At that time, the new government saw highlife music as a powerful unifying force. Musicians saw the potential for breakout worldwide fame, and much of the music was sung in English. As Ghana's economy struggled and fame proved elusive, many musicians returned to singing in their native dialects. Nana Ampadu wrote clever anti-government protest songs for local consumption, but he also kept everyone dancing. Bye. <laughs> 
One of the aspects of high life music that fascinates me is the rhythmic component, which sounds to modern ears very Caribbean. That's a complex idea, though. The essential rhythms of West Africa were forcibly exported to the islands via the slave trade, then returned to their home in an altered form by West Indian soldiers in the British colonial forces. I'm not a musicologist. I don't want to sit here and dissect that fascinating rhythm. It's for fun and dancing and for kidding your troubles, and you can hear it in full effect on this tune by M.K. Opong and Kakaiku's Guitar Band. Felakuti and his contemporaries took Nigerian highlife music into extended dance-trance breakdown territory, but many Ghanaian artists kept it simple. Ku Nemo's Pay Me, Friday Night, explores themes any working stiff from anywhere in the world can understand and identify with. Friday night, you ask for pennies. Saturday night, I give you dollar. Saturday night, I give you a dollar. When I come, you say you sick. When I go, you say you well. When I come, you say you sick. When I go, you say you well. Today is a day for me and you. You go now for a jump, jump. Even if you do sick, you go pay me. Even if you die, you go pay me. I go show you. I go show you. I don't mean to imply that Ghanaian musicians were absent from the international explosion of highlife music in the 1970s and beyond. The great Ebo Taylor, who is 84 years old and still active as of this recording, collaborated with Fela Kuti and formed an influential decades-long career. Ebo Taylor's back catalog has been mined by modern hip-hop producers in a surefire sign of his music's enduring appeal. To demonstrate, I'll play the intro to Usher's 2009 song, She Don't Know, which features a sample from a 1977 Ebo Taylor release. You know every superhero gotta have theme music, right? 
That's the one. That's the one. It's how we doing it. It's that new Usher. 26. Catch up. Yeah, man. Bangladesh. U.S. S.I.P. We don't stop. And here's Ebo Taylor's Heaven, which provided the rousing horn sample. As influential as E.T. Mensa and Ebo Taylor have been, the form has continued to evolve. Many consider Daddy Lumba, who rose to prominence in the 1990s and released hit after hit, to be the greatest Ghanaian musician. I feel like we've barely scratched the surface of Ghanaian highlife music, but hopefully you've enjoyed this brief exploration. Please be sure to join me on the next episode of Radio Superfly when we dive into the highlife music of Nigeria.